Angie's list is now Angie, and caring for your home just got easier. Whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel, Angie makes it easy to see reviews, compare quotes, and connect with top local pros who can get the job done right. Plus, you can see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. No phone tag, just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to-do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Everybody, how you doing? Corey Coleman here. It's the middle of the day, so you know if it's the middle of the day, I'm usually having an interview going on. And <laughs> the person I'm doing the interview with, I think I just lost. So let me see if I can actually get him back. I heard him leave right when I was about to get on. There he is right there. And all right. I'm here. I am here. It was a momentary. I don't know what just happened, but here I am. Yeah, I was in the middle of interviewing you saying all these really nice glowing things. I and heard I heard what you said. I was watching it on my Twitch channel. I know. I know you just started. <laughs> well, people, I'm glad I didn't lose him. And I'm glad that I'm having here today. Really doesn't need any introduction because you've seen the man before. But I'm going to talk good about him anyway. Very popular actor, comedian, uh, streamer, podcaster, and just overall great human being, according to what he's doing right now. Mr. Paul Shear, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm actually I'm very excited to be here with you in this afternoon. I like a little afternoon chat. Yeah, man. I usually do these things at night, but if I'm doing it in the middle of the day, it means I'm talking to somebody really awesome, such as yourself. <laughs> and uh, I am, um, first of all, I'm going to tell you, man, I am very honored to be here because I truly am a fan of yours. Uh, you're just one of those guys that I've just taken for granted that I've seen so much in movies and on television and listened to your podcast. I thought I'd never had this day where I would be able to talk to you, but I'm very excited to be here, man. So if I fumble and stumble over my words, it's not that I'm being unprofessional. It's just that I'm in awe of being in your presence well, right now. I don't want to let you down at all. Now this is a big shoes to fill. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try my best. I'm going to give you my best interview ever. That's what I got. But, but I got I to ask you a question before we start. What is the poster behind you? Because your head is blocking enough of it that I can't make it fully out. Oh, this one right here? Yeah. Yes. M man, that is a movie called Black Samson. And okay. you love... Okay, so one thing I know about you, you love movies and you love bad movies. You like black exploitation? Yes. I do. I do. You know, we actually just talked about an amazing... Oh, well, tell me about this and I'm going to tell you about a movie too. Okay, good. Yes, I do. Okay, well, Black Samson is about... Just like with black exploitation movies, he's a guy that's running the hood, except that he had, you know, they always have bars and clubs, except yeah. he walks around with a lion and the <laughs> white, <laughs> the white mob wants to stop him because they don't want any Negroes in their neighborhood doing things. And he ends up going up against the mob and it has one of the craziest endings I've ever seen. Somehow they got a bunch of black people to climb on top of buildings in the middle of the city and just throw garbage down on these Italian white people. They're throwing refrigerators and trash. Oh it's insane. God. And I, it, it's Black Samson, I recommend you see it, man. All right, Black Samson's on my list. Now I'm going to recommend a movie for you. So, all right, so Blackula comes out. It's a big hit. Yeah. And uh, the studio that makes that is kind of like this um, – 
like Blumhouse, but for black exploitation films, right? They're like, all right, we're going to give interesting people some money. They'll go make their thing. So they bring in this director and they go, make us another blackie, like a horror a movie. And he's like, got it. Writes a fake script. He's like, I'm going to make a vampire movie. Writes kind of a fake script. Shoots it. It's called Ganja and Hess. It is unlike anything that I've ever seen. It's so weird. It's so bizarre. It's like in a crazy art film uh, that was never released. It was released like for like one day. They took it. They re-edited it. They chopped it up and they put it back out. But it finally just came out, I think, about a year or two ago. Um, and it actually stars uh, this who was in Night of the Living Dead. The It's a really cool, trippy weird film it's not like black samson seems to me like it has elements of like shaft and stuff like that like where it's a little bit more in the city this is like much more ethereal and bizarre but it is totally worth watching i'm man you know what see this is gonna be a great interview whenever we can sit up here and trade crazy ass black movies with each other you know, <laughs> this is off to a great start ganja and hess ganja and hess yeah it's really cool it's like again it's bizarre, but I couldn't stop watching. I was like, what am I watching? Because it is, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's out there. I can't even describe it more than if you watch the trailer and if you're like a little bit engaged by the trailer, you'll be like, okay, I'm in. You should watch it. I'm doing that, man. We do something now on our shows. We stream every week. So uh, Tuesdays have become our bad movie days, our crazy movie days. I've been uh, I've been needing a really crazy black exploitation film, man. So you helped me out immensely. Thank you so okay. much for that, man. That is, I think it will blow your mind. I want to hear what you think of it when you're when you're done with it. And when I I'll I'll, I'll have my myself and my uh, producer will send you uh, an email letting you know that I, that I watched this. But I hope that I hear in your podcast one day you talking about this movie back here, at Black Samson. Don't have to give me a shout out or anything. I can just sit back and say, you know what? I told him about that. I definitely want to put in Black Samson. That was great. I mean, I thought it was so cool because I grew up like watching those uh, Rudy Ray Moore movies, like the Dolomite yeah. movies. I thought it was really cool that they did that, like that kind of that Eddie Murphy movie on Netflix. I thought that was such a fun way to kind of look at that character because I feel like he's often forgotten. Like I have a Rudy Ray Moore tape that makes me blush now. I literally it's like an audio cassette <laughs> tape. I was like, it's so like I, I think I can go blue as anybody, but that tape makes me blush. I mean, it is it's hilarious, but it's crazy. Oh, I know, man. I've seen him live a couple of times, a few times. I actually got to hang out with him a lot, man. Did you ever meet Rudy Ray Moore? You know, I'm trying to think if I did. I may have seen him like at a convention or something like that, but no, I, I don't think I've ever actually seen the man in person. Yeah, or like, or talked to him. No. Man, you talk about blushing. He told a joke that made everybody in the audience. And this is back like 20 years ago. Right, right. He told, he says something. He told a joke about, and I'm just going to paraphrase it very loosely because I, I can't even tell like he told it back in the day. I get in trouble. He told a joke about having a, having sex. He says, how do you keep a, a deaf girl from uh, telling people you had sex with her? And everybody's like, oh, shit. And, and he says, break her fingers. And everybody was just like, holy shit. Oh my God. But it's like, but it's like, there was something about that. It was like, so, I mean, yeah, like he just did some stuff, like everything you're like, it is, but it's all the same. Like, it's all just jokes. It's just like simple jokes. But yeah. they are, I mean, it is crazy. Uh, my friend, Jerry Minor, uh, used to, he was on SNL for a bit and I was on Mr. Show and stuff. He used to do a Rudy Ray Moore that just killed me. It was so funny. Like just, it was Rudy Ray Moore, if Rudy Ray Moore got into politics. So all this material now was <laughs> that filthy, but very specific to what was going on in like elections and a legislature. <laughs> so dumb, it was so funny. 
Hey, hey, man, you know what? And Jerry's great, man. I had a yeah. I had Jerry on the show not too long ago, but well, before the pandemic hit, and then I went to go see his show uh, in LA. The the Michael, oh, the Michael Jackson. Jackson one, yeah, for the love yeah, of the yeah, glove. Yeah. And how was that, man? That was brilliant. It was brilliant. That you know, I'll, look, I'm kind of crazy. I have a fetish for puppets so this was okay. this was perfect for me but yeah whenever they get back to doing it you should definitely check it out it was really no, great it sounds am- i've read a lot about it i can't wait to check it out jerry's the best he's one of the smartest funniest guys yeah man well you know what let's talk about you being one of the smartest and coolest guys out there you know one of the things that we have you on for is because you're doing this great thing man you're doing um, a stream a twitch stream yes. for um, yes. among us yeah so um in the last couple of months, I've gotten into Twitch streaming, which has been so much fun because, you know, I'm used to performing live. I perform at the UCB Theater, which is the Upright Systems Brigade out here in mm-hmm. L.A. and at the Largo Theater. So I'm used to getting up on stage a lot. And I was missing that, you know, that feeling of interacting with an audience. And I was looking around for what would feel the right way. And when I kind of played with YouTube and I kind of looked on Instagram Live and then Twitch was the one that I kept on coming back to. And we've been having so much fun. We've been just doing like comedy shows and weird shows. And what I wanted to do was because it's time for the holidays. And I think so many people are struggling right now. Like I mean, they're talking about how, you know, these food banks are just their supplies are dwindling because just, you know, they're getting 75 percent more people in food banks over the holidays. And so yeah. we really wanted to try to give back. And there's an amazing organization called Feeding America. And they supply food banks all across the country. They're just all, an amazing organization. So I got all my friends who are not streamers to get together and play Among Us. And I don't know if you've played Among Us or people are watching. play. It's basically mafia, but there's a video <laughs> game element to it. And we're going to basically get these 10 people, people you know, like my wife, June Diane Rayfield and Jason Manzukis and Jessica St. Clair, uh, Yasser Lester, uh, Adam Pally, uh, a whole bunch of people together to play for the first time. So I think the first time of it all will be uh, like a mess. And then everyone yelling at each other will be equally as fun. Yeah, man. You know, it's no, it's a lot of fun. And uh, it's a great thing to tap into, man, especially for doing something like a charity stream. Uh, yeah, this is going to blow up for you, man. This is going to be really cool. I mean, you chose the right game. Plus having all these comedians on, it's going to be something I think a lot of people are going to tune into. You want to tell people well, more about it and when it is and everything? Yeah, sure. It's going to be Wednesday night, uh, 8.30 Eastern Time, 5.30 Pacific Time. My Twitch channel is just twitch.tv slash Paul Shear, S-C-H-E-E-R. I got a Discord now. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting into your game. I'm getting in this world. It's, it's fun, though. I love, I've been loving streaming. And I also feel like, um, I don't know how you feel, like, but that interaction that you have with the people that are watching is, it's just kind of so electric. It, it makes you feel like you're, you're in the middle of something really good. I've just been having so much fun with it. I can't stop. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, our business is built on interaction with people, man. You know, we. Yeah. I, I, in fact, I've kind of used you as a model, man. I look. I've been talking about how I'm a fan, yeah. but goddamn it, you're a he, you're a hero too, man. Um, no, no, come on. Now, oh, please. I'm gonna put you on the pedestal, man. It's too late. Ah, you're there. No, get me down. Get me down from there. But you know what I think it is too. Like what I'm liking about this stream, and you probably can re- relate to this too. It's better 
when you know everybody, right? Because yeah. a lot of times that you play in these games and you don't know anybody, and then it's like you want to be arguing with your friends. It's the same way you want to watch movies. You want to watch them with your friends. Like, well, how did this get made? We stopped having guests on for the most part because it's just easier to have three friends who get each other riffing and having a good time. It's like, and I think that that's like that energy that I I just like that, like that kind of being able to play with each other. Yeah, man. You know what I was going to tell you was I I kind of. Use your model of going out and doing live shows because. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. You know, you were, you were doing you because I told people I said when we were doing a, a podcast and we were doing uh, animated reviews and whatnot. I was telling oh, people cool. like I want to go out and do live shows on stage, and people were saying that sounds crazy. I don't know if you can do that with a podcast, and I pointed to your podcast saying, "Hey, look, yeah. man, these guys are doing it. You know, it can be done." Yeah. Well, look, I think. You know, I always think about that. We've been doing these virtual live shows. We have another virtual live show coming up on Friday. And that's been interesting, too. Like, what mm-hmm. I think what you have to do is your podcast is your podcast, right? And your Twitch stream is your Twitch stream. And then when you're doing something that you're taking it out of those formats, you got to figure out, all right, well, now how do I make this stage worthy? So I've seen a lot of people take their podcast and they just put a, three chairs on stage and they just talk into the mics. And most people are going to be fine with that. But for me... I come from more of a performing background and I'm like, I want to figure out how to make this a show. Like, how do I make this like, oh, I can, I, if I heard this, I wouldn't have gotten the same experience. Right. So what we do a lot of the times is we'll cut out like 20 or 30 minutes of material. That's only for our live show. Like, so you only get that you get, you know, you get to see clips, you get to see, I don't know. There's like a connection there. So even with our virtual live shows, we're just trying to make it a, like, you know, we're trying to go past the point of, what you expect. And I think that that's the way that you should treat everything. You know, it's like, if you ask people to pay you money for something they can get for free, you got to give them a little <laughs> bit extra too. Yeah. You got to be happy they showed up. Yeah. You know, uh, so you, you, and you sound like you're very enthusiastic about podcasting and everything, man. Yeah. And, um, uh, and, and you've done well with it. Like just kind of doing all these verticals of transferring into a live show and everything. But now that the pandemic is here, you know, you being a performer would know this more than anybody. You can't go out and do the live shows. Productions have halted. You know, you're acting and everything. So that's not yeah. really going as strong. Uh, it's what Has podcasting become like a main part of your career? And is it something that has really kind of been a big savior while the pandemic is going on right now? While the pandemic has been going on, absolutely. It has been a constant uh, a way for me to connect with people, my friends, and to give me something to do. Because I have How Did This Get Made and Unspooled, and we even have a game show on Unspooled. So it gives you like a reason. And especially, look, we've all been having our ups and downs in this pandemic. No matter who you are, if you're working, if you're not working. if you know. So for me, it was really great to keep my mind off of things. And, and look, we've been going through things socially. We've been going through things, you know, with like literally like physically with the virus, there's elections. Like, so it's been a great way to keep my mind off of things. And it was, it kept on going. Now, the way that people listen to podcasts now, it's very different because people aren't in their cars and they're not going to work or people were in a certain point. But hearing the people that were, we even talked to like frontline workers who are like, I've, I love getting this podcast and that made it all worthwhile. But that's why I got into doing the Twitch streaming too. It's like, all right, well, let's adapt. Like, you just can't keep on doing the thing that you want. Like I have Black Monday, which is a show I do with Don Cheadle and Regina Hall. And we are going back in March, but like, you know, that it, it, I mean, yeah, I popped up and did a guest star here or that, but it's like, you got to find different ways to communicate and not just drop the ball. Cause I think the people who like your stuff are going to try to find you and people want to see new things. So I think it's on our shoulders to continue to create and do and experiment. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. Like, I mean, I've been trying stuff on the Twitch stream that is just like, 
we just tried a show, me and Adam Pally. We just take people's Twitter drafts. We're like, what have you been afraid to tweet? Come, let's talk about it and let's make it better. <laughs> and, you know, so like, like we do all that kind of stuff and we'll just experiment because I feel like that's what I miss from live performing. You know, mm-hmm. once you get on TV and you're writing it and doing all that, it's like, like I'm doing comic books or TV shows or whatever. That's more professional. But I like to keep it loose and fun. And podcasting to me feels the closest to improv and it has that loose live uh, energy. Somebody said, this is uh, <coughs> Edgy Berserker, two of my favorite podcasts happening at once. This is like Avengers to me. Uh, he's a Tony Stark. I'm the Ant-Man. <laughs> so- <laughs> all right, I'll take it. Hey, I'll, uh, what should I be? I'll be, uh, there's not many bald there's not many bald superheroes, so uh, I, I should just be, uh, I'll be Silver Surfer just because he's the only bald one. Perfect, perfect, man. <laughs> and I'll be whatever black you got out there, black lightning, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, hey, let me ask you this question, not to make this all about black stuff, but what do you think about Black Panther not being recast? you think that's a good move or bad move? I don't know where I feel about that. Wow, man, that's a great question. I, you know, I would, I don't know where I feel about that either. I'm personally leaning on the side of, you see, we're going to get into this in a little bit. You're in the comics, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, to you know, Black Panther is a title, is a crown that's handed down. Right. So you can technically recast it without ever having to smear the memory of uh, of the original. Um, that's what I think, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What do you? Yeah. What's your opinion? No, because I think I think there is something. It's not like it's going to be ungraceful, right? Any way that you slice it, because he's not alive, right? So you can't like. You can't like hand the torch, like you can't pass the torch. Like Chris Evans was able to pass the torch mm-hmm. of Captain America, and that was like a, a graceful, like I'm leaving, and now someone else is coming in. I ideally, I imagine, as years go on, like you know, after the third movie or something, you know, Chadwick is going to pass that Black Panther torch. So it's like, how can they do it? Now, do I trust the creative team, uh, Black Panther, more than anyone? <laughs> so if they like, so if they think they figured it out, I'm not questioning it because I do agree with you. It's like. I, I think it would have been weird to be like, oh, now you're T'Challa. Like, it would yeah. have just been, if especially because it can be passed. It's just a matter of how do they tell that story that makes it meaningful. Because sometimes even with, like, Princess Leia in Star Wars, it's like, <laughs> a little like, like, all right, I want it, but maybe it's all better off camera. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know. Uh, you know, I, uh, since we're talking about comics, man, do yeah. you find that a lot of people know about you being in comics because I'm I, you know you have people you can go and see Paul's there's a whole page dedicated to just the comics that he has written you I, even, yeah, I actually wrote I mean was not to make it a plug because I just had it right here by myself but I actually wrote of my first DC book uh that just came out it's a Harley Quinn story but I I love writing comics and the reason why I got into it was um I wrote a movie script that my agents were like, this is way too big. No one's going to make this. It's not like you're never going to be able to sell it. Mm. And I was, it just went in a drawer or like a, a save file in my Dropbox. And then this guy I talked to, uh, Ross Ritchie, who's over at Boom Comics, he was like, just make it a comic book. And I was like, oh, you could do that? And he's like, yeah, just make it a comic book. <laughs> so he made it a comic book. And uh, that comic book was really deep, but it was independent. It was small. And then my friend Jerry Duggan, who's been writing Deadpool, was like, come write a Deadpool uh, annual. And we did. And then they were like, oh, come write a Guardians of the Galaxy team up. And we did. And write a Spider-Man and Deadpool. And we did. And we and then we uh, wrote like a whole series for uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider. And now I went over to DC and I made a documentary for Marvel on Disney Plus. Just came out two weeks ago. So I, I just love that world. I grew up a little bit in that world. So I just love comics. So to write it is stressful. It's not as easy as writing a TV show or anything else, but it's quicker. 
So it's like, cause in a way I would say like when you write a comic book, you have to be writing, acting, directing, and producing. And when you write a TV show or a movie, you are going, all right, I'm going to write it. Then we're going to rewrite it. Then we're going to cast it and it's going to change again. Then we're going to shoot it. It's going to change again. Then we're going to edit. It's going to change again. You know, so you can keep on getting these chances to tweak and make everything better. But comics, they come in and they go out. So you got to, you got to kind of be a little bit more confident in what you're doing. What's harder about it? I think what's harder is doing all those roles for me. I rely on the strength of everybody I collaborate with. Like, so for example, if I'm doing a TV show or even this documentary, like I'll be like, all right, here's my idea. And then, mm -hmm. you know, I'll bring it to somebody who's like, all right, I'm going to be a production designer, you know, for this room. What if you did that? And I'm like, oh, that brings me a great idea. Then I kind of creates, then I add it into the script. So I look smarter. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden you cast an actor, actor, you know, she might say something that you're like, that's so much funnier and that makes your script better. And then all of a sudden, the end, the script that you had versus what you shot is just 10 times better because you've collaborated all across the board. And then you also, you have all these people, if you use them correctly, making you look better in comics, you only, you, it's all you got to do it all. You got to think about the best line. You got to think about the, how the way the character looks, you got to do all that thought process in the writing of it. So it's, you, I, th I think I wrestle with it more and try to figure out how to tell the story because I know how I want to tell things visually, but how do you tell things that work in a, you know, I want to turn the page. It's tricky. It's, it's, I think it's harder than it seems, but a challenge nonetheless. I think it's made me a better director. No, that's, that's great, man. That, you know, looking at you being in, in comics, so were you not into comics as much before since you said somebody recommended this script being comics? Were you always into comics? You know, I grew up in a I grew up in a a world where the kids around me were too cool for comics. I didn't have any nerdy kids that were uh, into comics. Uh, so when I went to college, I was walking around town and I stumbled into this comic book shop and I was like, oh, I've read these when I was a kid. Like, and somebody introduced me to a comic book called Astro City, which I loved. And that got me into like, oh, my gosh, I love this author. And then I got into that. So since college, I really got into it. Um, and just started to follow these people and that I love and write independent books and Marvel books. So, but what I guess I never thought was, oh, I can make a movie script into a comic. I thought like, oh, only like, I just thought like, oh, I'd write a comic. I wouldn't write a movie. I like it. Some things don't present themselves to you. Like mm -hmm. when I was younger, uh, someone asked me to audition for Saturday Night Live and I was like, oh, I could do that. I don't think that was attainable. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, there's sometimes those things that you just don't assume you can get into or that you can do. Uh, and then, you know, you, and hopefully you make good connection. It, I, my whole career has been helping hands from people that I've worked with and people I continue to work with and people that I've worked with for decades. So now that you've had a successful run with comics and comics are the thing now, is there yeah. a possibility that that comic might get turned into a movie? You know, we're trying, you know, we, we're actually working on something right now with, with the original book that I wrote, that original Aaron Williams versus Parker as an animated show. We're kind of playing around with that. But then also this documentary I just did for Disney Plus, uh, I just called, uh, they basically, Disney Plus has this new series called 616 and it's the world in which Marvel kind of lives in. Yeah. And I did uh, episode four of that called Lost and Found and I go and I basically, the theory is, hey, look, you can't be anything in Hollywood unless you have a Marvel character that you have, like, rebooted. So I go and try to find the Marvel character that is right for me. So I won't spoil it, but uh, that is uh, my journey, and we actually make something pretty fun at the end of it. So that's yeah, out there, too. Yeah, so we'll I, I saw that. You were talking to uh, Reginald Hudlin about Black Panther. Yeah. And if I did it right. A few other yeah, things, Reg man. I said I'm going to write the uh, equivalent. You, you know, uh, I want to talk to you about 
podcasting, man, again, you sure. know, so with podcasting, what I really envy about what you do is that, man, you're able to just kind of go and call up people and you can get all these people that normally anybody else would have to just, they would have to pay just to come in for like two minutes. But you get all these people to come on and do things with you. Now, this is from your, your MTV show, Human Giant. But, you know, you've done live shows and you've had guests where, you know, you know some of the most popular people out there in comedy and entertainment. Is it is, is that what you do? You just call them up and say, hey, you got time? Can you come and do a podcast? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's tricky, right? Because it's not like I'm making cold calls. For the most part, percent of the people I work with, I have one degree of separation from. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way it is. And, and that's the, but that's also 20 years of working in this world, in this business. Like, you know, like I remember I was playing like cards one time with like John Hamm back in the day in New York City, you know, and like, you know, and, <laughs> you know, Will Arnett, Will Arnett was on uh, hanging out backstage at like UCB when Arrested Development first came on the air, you know, so people come around, you get to know people, uh, you get to play with people. Some people like take off in a crazy way, you know, like a bunch of my friends got on the daily show, Rob Corddry and Rob Riggle and Ed Helms, you know? Um, so all of a sudden, yeah, they've achieved some sort of celebrity or they've achieved higher profile, but they're all just the same friends that we've been working with. So yeah, you know, for example, like when we had like Seth Rogen and I became friends just because we were mutual fans of each other, you know, and uh, we worked together a bunch. And when my wife did Long Shot, we found out, listen to How Did This Get Made? She's like a big fan of How Did This Get Made? And we're like, well, you got to come on the show and do it. And she's like, oh, absolutely. So it's sort of, sort of, um, but I'm not like, I'm not like his agent and going, hey, would you like to come on and talk about a bad movie? Like, you know, we kind of let people come to us or we reach out to people that we know might be really fun. You know, uh, Speaking of working with people and, and going back to what we were talking about, bad movies, you, like I said, you have this fondness for bad movies. You've even worked with people. I think that you've just had fun being in a bad movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, this is, uh, this is Nicolas Cage in Army of One, I believe. Uh, Tommy yeah, yeah. Wiseau and Greg Sestero and Best Fiends of Friends, depending on how you talk yeah. about it, man. Have you ever talked about a movie or deconstructed and made fun of a film and then had an uncomfortable run-in with the with the person involved in that movie. You know, it's a tricky it's a tricky proposition, right? Because I think that one of the things that sets our podcast apart from others uh, is we we love the movies, we love them, mm-hmm. we love the actors. Very rarely are we critical of actors. We are critical of characters, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a different line, right? Because that's that's more maybe on the writer. Um, but uh, the other day I was shooting the Goldbergs and we did this movie called The Hottie and the Naughty, a Paris Hilton movie. Yeah. And the director is like, hey, I am I'm the naughty. And I was like, oh, my God, you're the naughty. But by the way, <laughs> when I thought back about everything that we said, we were so complimentary about the naughty. And, you know, look, I, I try not to be too, I think we all do. We're all right. Jason June and I, we're writers, actors, producers, you know, uh, we all know how hard it is to make a movie. And I think that we try to capture the conversation that we have at the diner at right. Or in the car ride back home. And, and we don't try to be the people who are like, 
fuck, I could do this better. Fuck them. I'm better than them. Yeah. I think there's also an energy like that. And that's not where we're coming from. And I think that's the reason why the podcast has existed for 10 years and why our audience is so diverse. And uh, so it's unintentional, but uh, because it's just who we are and it's the business that we are in. And uh, but look, you know, yeah, we're putting it out there. So every now and then we have to, like, allow ourselves to, like, be the focus of it. Now, I will say that, you know, uh, like, you know, Jason worked with Keanu Reeves and we've definitely done a lot of Keanu Reeves movies on the show. <laughs> I work with Nick Cage. I was like, I, the only thing I took pride, like I took pride. I was like, you know what? The chance that Nicolas Cage even understands what a podcast is, is far fetched. So I'm OK, I think, you know, um, <laughs> I think we have a really cool fans, too, who or listeners who uh, don't call us out like they don't go, hey, did you hear this thing? As a matter of fact, I saw this guy. Yeah, I posted it on the How Did This Get Made Twitter today. Uh, he was interviewing Gerard Butler, uh, and he got a, he snuck in a Geostorm in there because it was like Geostorm is going rallying cry of our show. And he uh, he was like, oh, man, you know, I love all your movies, this and this and this. And, of course, Geostorm. <laughs> and like, but it's like such a, such a fun little like uh, Easter egg. It was great. Hey, uh, you know, you brought up your your uh, your wife, man, your wife, June. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Beautiful woman, by the way, she's a beautiful man. Beautiful lady, yeah. Beautiful yeah, lady. yeah. How long have you two been married? Oh my gosh, uh, we have been together for about fifteen, sixteen years, and we are uh, married for, gosh, eleven years. So now, uh, you two, now she's she's also, yeah, a comedian. Uh, she is, and for people, uh, I'm Grace. Yeah, and you've and you've seen uh, her before, yeah. like uh, June Diane Raphael. People, I mean, you've you've seen her before. You, uh, you you probably didn't even know that they were married at one time. They've done, you know, you you've done a show together. You've done you do the, you yeah. do uh, the, the podcast we, together. So, yep. with her being a comedian, you being a comedian, uh, you know, you're a big comedy entertainment family. Is there any competition between you two? No, because I'm never up for the parts that she's up for. So that's the best part about it. Like it's, uh, you know, um, and that's true. I mean, on some level it's true. Like, you know, she's going to achieve success, but it will never be at my expense. But truthfully, and look, I can say this, but I, I, but I think it's either said than done, but it's something I always try to remind myself, which is like, you know, success isn't finite just because someone else gets something doesn't mean that you're not going to get something right and i think the minute you start to like look at the world and just be happier for everyone's success everyone's on their own path and pattern and i look at all the amazing opportunities that i've had and the people i've worked with and uh i wouldn't trade it i wouldn't trade it and i also you know sometimes a small thing connects to a bigger thing and and you know you wind up kind of creating a career out of all those kind of misconnections and and thankful for some of the things I did. I had a chance to star in a network TV show, but instead of that, I chose doing Human Giant, which is my sketch show for MTV. And like, like I'm so thankful for that. That was such a giant, I mean, just a giant benefit for me, you know, like, but you don't know, you don't know at the moment you're just taking chances. Nice. Well, you saw these nice things about, about everybody, especially a wife, but is that, is that why you, uh, tried to poison your wife man oh my gosh hey get into the poison my wife all right um, so we really <laughs> went to town about this poisoning on our virtual live show i'm gonna just i'm gonna tell you because i actually still have the props here um, so this is my wife's water bottle uh or a former water bottle it's giant it holds uh 120 ounces of water 
it's uh, it's like one gallon, one gallon of water. And so she was carrying this monstrosity around and it was so <laughs> cumbersome. And I went and I found her a better bottle. I found her this bottle, which what, is much thinner. You got to fit it. You got to fill it up once and then you get two of these is one of these. So I replaced her bottle. And then, uh, and Christmas comes, we put up our Christmas tree and I have this like little miracle grow. Like it looks like a little, and you put like two tablespoons per every ounce of water in there to help your tree look good. So I fill this up with water and I dump like a couple tablespoons of this in there and I give it to June and June walks over to the tree and waters the tree with it. She then <laughs> places it down on the counter and then forgets that she watered the tree with it and then drinks from it. And then she said, I poisoned her. And I was like, you knew what was in there. You poisoned yourself. It's like, it's like, it's like, uh, like I'm getting blamed for a murder. It's like, well, you left the knife out on the counter. How do you expect me not to stab myself? I'm like, come on. <laughs> yeah, people, we're just joking around. She put out a playful a playful yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, video on, I think it was on Instagram where she uh, yep. was talking about my husband just, just poisoned me. He's a person of interest. Quick. She um, went on a long time before she gave the reasonable explanation, today. but it was pretty funny, man. I thought when she no, put that yeah, out we were there. having fun with it. It was there was nothing poisonous in that thing, but yeah, I mean it's so funny. Everyone got all up in arms. It's been like a funny running bit with us. <laughs> hey, I got to tell you, man, before we uh, before we go, because I know you got to yeah. leave in about I don't know about uh, seven minutes or so, but sure. you are one of my favorite people to hear say the word fuck. You just you just have a way of saying it. You make you really yeah. You're very funny with it, man. You know uh, I'm very oh, foul mouthed wow. myself. Glad so to I, hear it. What's that? I said, I'm glad to hear it. No, no, man. So I have respect for, you know, uh, my fellow man out there who can actually, you know, use the word effectively. I, you know, I admire that. But at the same time, you know, you being a family man and everything, I think you have a daughter, right? Six years old. I have, I have uh, two sons. I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old. Damn, yeah. I messed that all up. How did I see, where did I see daughter don't from, worry, man? Don't worry about it. Who cares? You know, they're not out and about. You, there's no reason for you to <laughs> But, you know, uh, you have uh, done one of my favorite, uh, uh, kid shows from back in the day. Man, I used to watch this because it was so cool and you made the transition very well from being, you know, this edgy entertainer who uses a lot of foul words to being uh, really funny for a kid show. Knock, knock. Who's, Who's there? there? Boo! Boo-hoo! You don't have to cry about it. It's only a knock-knock joke. Knock-knock. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was before I had kids. Um... You know, like for me, that was a cool show because uh, the Yo Gabba Gabba guys uh, are just fans of cool music and comedy. Mm -hmm. And they they asked us to come on, me and my buddy Jack McBrayer. And, uh, you know, I love doing that stuff. I think I think like a a, I mean, look, everyone's doing a little bit everything now. You know, there's not one thing to do. Uh, Like I was watching the other day. I was like. Elizabeth Banks is hosting Card Sharks. You know, yeah. like Card Sharks is back. You know, so who knows? Like, you know, I think it's like uh, there's certain things I love to do, and there's ways I can be with a kid versus things I can't do. You know, it's even what you said. Uh, or, or no, sorry, we weren't talking about this. Sorry, I got confused with another interview. Uh, I was on Nailed It, and it was like you just you just have the rules of what you have to do and what you can do, and then and then you just play in the, that rule box. You know, it, it's it's fun. It's like I, I think I, I like that kind of challenge i don't need to say it i'm like oh get me in there i gotta i gotta say fuck in front of these kids i don't feel that at all but yeah uh, well, um do you want to d- yeah. would you like to do uh any more kind of kid shows or children's entertainment yeah you know look i did a fun thing with sesame street last year which was amazing like i uh there was a uh 
uh, a character um, that I love from Sesame Street that uh, that kind of had not been uh, his name was like Nelson Franklin and uh, no no sorry his name was Franklin his name was Franklin I don't know what his last name is <laughs> so his name was Frank uh, uh, Franklin and and I was like I love that kid that that Muppet when I was growing up and uh, and so. I went on Sesame Street and they brought that Muppet back Roosevelt? for me, which Ro- was amazing. I, I know you said that you had a puppet uh, fixation. <laughs> to be on that set with all those Muppets was, I mean, truthfully, one of the most ex- mind-blowing experiences I've ever was had. Was it Roosevelt Franklin? Yes, Roosevelt Franklin. Yes, there he was. Yeah, I used to love that Muppet. I thought they took him out because he was too jivey or something, but they brought him back? They brought him back. I think that was right. I feel like what they felt was... He was too, yeah, like I did, like they, I think that they made a move that wasn't necessarily super smart. So when I went back for the, the anniversary, I was talking about how I loved that character. I missed that character and they brought him back for me in that, uh, they brought him back for me. And I don't know if he's been back on the show, but they were, I was talking to the puppeteers and they're like, yeah, we really are trying to get this character back in the mix. Oh, I used to love Roosevelt Franklin, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, man, you know what? It's uh, I know you have other interviews. There's so much to talk. About. I will. I will ask you this one thing before yeah. you go. Yeah, sure. Uh, I I loved NTSF as the SUV. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I used to love this. What is that? Slavic or something? No, it's not Slavic. It's an acronym. Nice turtles singing. You're getting it confused with mnemonic device, right? This is- you know, I, I, yeah. this was a show that was on Adult Swim. I think yeah. this ended. It, it, man, it's, and, and I looked at this because I, I thought this was on more recent, but it ended in 2013. Yeah, you know, it ended a while ago. It was funny. We did that probably in the middle of doing the league. Uh, we did that for a couple seasons. You know, I'm a big believer of like getting out while the getting's good. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I don't want people to leave bored. You know, we walked away from Human Giant. We walked away from the league. Uh, NTSF, same. Because NTSF, we got into a moment where June had got on, on Grace and Frankie. Martin was mm-hmm. on Silicon Valley. Kate was on um, Orange is the New Black. Karen just got cast in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. So all of a sudden, our whole cast, we already lost for so our whole cast was a question mark. And it was like, well, I don't want to continue the show and replace the whole cast. Like the part yeah. of the fun of the show is the cast. And then uh, the same thing with like Human Giant. Like Aziz had gotten uh, Parks and Rec. And we were like, well, you know, if he's not around, we, then he would just be popping into shooting. We just wanted to make sure that we kept the integrity of what the show is. And I also think it's fun to jump in. Like if we kept on doing Human Giant, I probably wouldn't have done the league. And if I stopped doing the league, I probably wouldn't have done Black Monday. You know, so you just kind of have to, I, I think he's got to be flexible with like letting go of something that's good um, and to jump to something else that's equally as good. Man, this has uh, been a, a great discussion. It re- yeah, I, you're awesome. Thank you so much. I, I, yeah, this is a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, same here. So uh, I'll be listening. I Especially now, I expect to hear about Black Samson on one of the shows. I got to get, get on Black Samson. I can't wait. And the one that you told me about, uh, again... Uh, Ganja and Hess. Ganja and Hess. Checking that out. People, uh, I want to thank Paul Shear for being here. It was a great time, great discussion. Hey, man, uh, before you go, people, go check out the charity stream that he's doing on the 16th. Yeah, 
Wednesday, uh, this Wednesday, twelve uh, sixteen at uh, eight thirty or five thirty, whatever. But that's uh, just if you're watching this on Twitch, Twitch.tv slash Paul Shear. That's it. I'll be advertising it all throughout the week. Uh, you'll find it. It'll be good. Well, have, I mean, not that you need it, but good luck with that, man. And it's a very thanks, great hope, thing yeah, you're no, doing. I hope we get some people to watch. Oh, you'll get plenty of people. And thanks a lot, man. You have a good one. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. See ya. And there he goes. So there's another one, people. Another interview wrapped up. Another interview in the bag. Hope you enjoyed it, everybody. Uh, again, I would have loved to have some people be able to ask questions out there. Let me pull up the chat right here so that we can see them. Uh, let me see. Let me see. And there you guys go. Uh, again, uh, you guys are wonderful, man. I saw some of the stuff that you asked, and I can't show your, 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 your comments in the chat during the interview because there's no telling what people say sometimes when somebody might jump in. There's no telling what a giant penis might be made out of the symbols and whatnot. So I have to keep you guys out. But... Uh, I would love for you guys to ask questions too or read your questions, but this was a very tight interview today because he has a day full of interviews and he had to go pretty quick. But I think we got a lot in there during the time that we had. And once again, appreciate you guys watching, man. So we'll have that up and we'll see you guys on the next interview, the next show, whatever it is that we're doing. And remember, even when I'm not streaming, and we stream a lot, but when I'm not streaming, I'm still thinking about you, still want to hear from you. So please do not hesitate to pop open that keyboard and type in for me, kcoolmans at gmail.com. That's K-C-O-O-L-M-A-N-Z at gmail.com. Email us with any kind of questions, comments, compliments, insults, input, insults, and or advice. Also, we're on the... Uh, what is that? Oh, sorry. My dog is at the door. <laughs> she knows when, I'm, when we need to go. Uh, we're on the social medias. Instagram, Twitter, and the face to the book. Copy all that information down right there. Memorize it. Love it. Use it. And, folks, uh, I'm not going to do any announcements here because this is an interview. We'll save those for another day. But, hey, I'll tell you what. If you do find yourself here in Austin, Texas, hopefully by the time this interview is done and seen in the future... Corona, COVID-19, that thing will be something of the past and we're all out there enjoying ourselves, having a good time, which means that you can come to Austin and hang out with us. And when that time comes, let us know ahead of time. Kcoolmans at gmail.com. But for right now, since that time is not here, be safe and just email us your plans. Let us know if you are planning on moving here or just passing through. We want to safely once again hang out with you. All right, everybody, that is it. Good night. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you are listening to or watching this, goodbye and stay toasty. car insurance with geico is so easy your neighbors are probably already doing it but who 
they may drop little hints like... Beautiful day out. Even more beautiful since we saved by bundling our home and car insurance with GEICO. Or... Yard work is hard. Much harder than bundling with GEICO, which was easy. Or it may be even subtler, like... Speaking of burgers, we bundled our home and car insurance with GEICO and saved a bunch of money. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors. And now it's GEICO's Motorcycle Rules of the Road. Before you ride, make sure your mirrors are clean and adjusted properly. And if you're going on a group ride, make sure the lead biker knows where they're going. Uh, Ed, quick question. Where are you taking us? Oh, I have no idea. What, well, am I the leader? <laughs> because I was uh, following that dude with the red helmet. Where, Where is he? And the rule to saving on motorcycle insurance is, in 15 minutes, Geico could save you 15% or more.